0: That's heritageradio network.org/15 to donate and enter to win today and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: My name is Samantha Garner and I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm a cheeselandian because I take cheese seriously just like they do in Wisconsin. Go to cheeselandia.com to learn more and if it's for you, sign up. Hello to
2: everyone. I'm Louisa Caston, your host for Let's Talk About Food, a podcast devoted to first-person storytelling where food plays a pivotal, if not a starring role. Everyone has a food story. Food is at the heart of human connection, at the center of love, of ritual, of need and want, and most of all, food creates community. And community is what we crave. Today we talk to Kate Sullivan, Kate is the host of the PBS series To Dine For, now in its third season. An accomplished television reporter, Kate crafted a fantasy job for herself, having a meal and a one-on-one conversation with visionaries at their favorite hometown restaurants, Howard Schultz of Starbucks, Norman Weir, Mark Cuban, and someone we all revere, Chef Jose Andres. In this episode, we'll eavesdrop on Kate's own dinner with Andres in Barcelona, and how her hunch that bonding over a meal would make for great TV storytelling. Let's have a listen. Kate, first tell me how you came to be such a foodie growing up in Lakeville, Massachusetts, as you did.
3: Honestly, I was not a foodie in Lakeville, Massachusetts, and I didn't really become a foodie till later in life. But food has really taken a hold of my life as a passion, as a hobby, as a vehicle for storytelling. Actually, I feel like everyone should work in the restaurant industry because, well, I shouldn't say everyone should work in the restaurant industry, but I feel like it is the best training for life. Like truly, I look back on my days as a waitress at Muldoon's and I learned so much about human nature, humanity, personalities, dealing with cooks and chefs and difficult people. So the answer to the question, why food, is a simple one for me as a journalist. And that is, I think it's the best way to get to know somebody. It's the best way to understand somebody. You know, food is the language of culture. I had a hunch that maybe going with someone to their favorite restaurant might tell the story. My background is as a local television news reporter in small, medium, and large cities. I worked in South Bend, Indiana and Little Rock, Arkansas, and New York City and Chicago. And what I found is one of the best things you can do when you're interviewing someone is to put them at ease and to make them somehow feel like themselves. And I can't think of a better way for myself than to be eating what I love in a restaurant that I love. And so I thought maybe this might work for other people. But honestly, it was a hunch. I didn't know if it would work. Would food tell the story of someone a little bit better? The premise of the show, to go with the guests to their favorite restaurant, wherever that is in the country, was sort of a dream. It's a bit of a fantasy, as you alluded to. I had to think very specifically about what type of guests do I want to have on the show. And for me, it came down to two criteria. One is, I always say they're creators, they're dreamers, they're visionaries. What that means is they're people who have had an idea and brought it from inspiration to execution. So first of all, they had to think of it themselves. It had to be their idea. They could be an author, a founder, a chef, an artist, but it had to be their idea. The second prerequisite or criteria is that they have to have a vision bigger than themselves. So they couldn't have just built a company or they're not just the chef. They are someone who's using what they're doing in the service of others. And so when you actually think of it that way, it really becomes self-selecting. When I started the very first season of the show, I really swung for the fences as far as guests. You know, the very first episode was with Howard Schultz of Starbucks. I really thought about that. Who has created something really remarkable and then who is using it in service of others? And obviously, Chef Jose Andres falls into that category perfectly. He is someone who moved to the U.S. from Spain and really made his mark in the culinary world as the godfather of molecular gastronomy and really serving beautiful, magical meals to really wealthy people and really made his mark. But his trajectory of his life, his journey didn't stop there. It was actually just the beginning because his work with World Central Kitchen, his work with The aftermath of Hurricane Maria and all the hurricanes and disaster areas that have followed, of going and feeding people who need it most, people who are at the worst scenario in their life and just need a bologna sandwich with some good mustard on it, I might add. Chef Jose is there and he's feeding people around the world. And so I was able to interview him before he was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. It was actually, you know, it was actually four months before he was nominated. It was actually absolute perfect timing as I'm trying to create and evolve a show. I was actually six months pregnant. that shoot chef goes to spain for the summer to see family and to to spend his summers there and so when i was interacting with the communications director at the think food group which is where he owns and works i said where would chef choose and we were kind of going back and forth with ideas in washington dc where his where he lives in the us and they said well he's going to be in spain for the summer and i and i said well is there any chance He would take me to his favorite restaurant in Spain. And they said, we can check. And so he said, come on. I booked a flight. I did not have the funding to bring anyone with me. I had to source a crew in Barcelona that did not speak English I do not speak Catalonian or Spanish. So it was a complete adventure. I was running for planes, you know, holding on to my very swollen pregnant belly. It was was a real adventure interviewing him at his favorite restaurant, which is Bodega 1900. He takes me through his love of Spanish cuisine. What is tapas? Bodega 1900 is also a vermouth bar. And this process of, of how they eat tapas in Spain is, it is sort of like a meandering afternoon evening. So you'll go to a bar and you'll have, you know, you'll have the sardines and you'll have some ver- vermouth. Then you move to the next tapas bar as a group you know your people and you have a little bit of the patatas bravas or you have the the con tomato on the on the bread and you 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 move on it's it's sort of like a, an entire journey of, of a tapas it was an extraordinary experience not only for who he is as a chef his knowledge of food but who he is in the world and i don't think i really realized it at the time but looking back now that he's been nominated for the nobel peace prize he was truly the greatest manifestation of my hunch that food tells a story this show isn't actually about chefs or foodies right it's about just people with great ideas at their favorite restaurant they don't have to be foodies we just interviewed mark cuban at ihop because that was his favorite restaurant go figure but The idea when you're able to interview someone who is so passionate about food, who loves food, it is a different experience. And so I I still love the premise of my show of doing a great diverse group of people. But when someone really gets jazzed about food like Jose Andres does, it's really special. His parents were, were both nurses. And so, you know how the old adage, uh, the Steve Jobs adage that you can figure it out looking backwards, uh, you can connect the dots looking backwards. You know, the fact that his parents were nurses, I think is very significant, which really helps to show his passion for aid work and his passion for helping. I asked him... What part of the restaurant industry really makes him come alive? It is most Jose. Is it the cooking? Is it the running of the business? Is it the running the restaurant? Is it being on the floor?
2: What part of it is most him? We'll be back with Kate Sullivan in a minute, and she'll tell us what Jose Andres says is his greatest joy in the restaurant business.
1: This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. My name is Samantha Garner and I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm a Cheeselandian because I take cheese seriously, just like they do in Wisconsin. Cheeselandia is a community for loud and proud cheese lovers brought to life by Wisconsin Cheese. I know that I can always cook amazing food with their cheese and it's even good enough just to snack on. As a Cheeselandia member, I know there is always a supportive community behind me who always gets as excited as I do about cheese. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more. And if it's for you, sign up. Check us out on Instagram at Cheeselandia.
2: We're going to pick it up here from where Kate asked Chef Andres about his greatest thrill in the restaurant business.
3: And he said that for him, it all comes down to one thing. And that's seeing the look on the face when someone takes that bite and they are transformed and transported. And so to me, that was very, very important. And I've actually seen that through line in a lot of the guests on To Dine For. And that is the passion that people have for their subject matter. Of course, I get nervous, just like anyone would, you know, in front of some of these giants of industry. And that goes for all of the guests. I would rather have someone tell me authentically who they are than anything else. It's not about having an amazing, delicious meal. Yes, that is what I like to do on the weekends. That is a hobby of mine, but that is not the purpose of To Dine For. The purpose of To Dine For is to get the guests to really be who they are. So when Mark Cuban took me to a place that he really does go, and he loves it because he can be a regular guy. He's a billionaire many times over. He is not a guy that wants to go to a fancy restaurant. He's not a guy of pretense. He doesn't like a lot of people all over him. And the fact that he could go there and have a cup of coffee and an omelet, just like any other guy, for him is gold. And so whenever I sit down at a table, whether it's with Howard Schultz of Starbucks, or Norman Lear, or Sarah Blakely of Spanx. I'm not intimidated. I'm really, really curious. I always think back to something my dad said, which is, you should never be intimidated by really smart people, because really smart people will always appreciate sincerity of thought and curiosity. For me, I'm always led by curiosity. My 20 years as a local reporter, and also the sincerity of my curiosity can take me into any room, and I can interview anyone. For me to be around that kind of visceral passion that has to be there, that absolutely is the one non-negotiable among all of these successful people, to push through all of the rejection and the baloney and all of the, the problems <laughs> that go with anything, anything, just period life. You've almost got, that's almost has to be part of your job. It's not, you don't just have the passion. You don't just have the love. You yourself every day have to find a way to fan the flame of that love in that passion because you know life's hard and in and, and it's so easy for it to 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 let the world and everything you have to keep it vivid and, and 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 let that lead you especially like in the past couple of years you feel like people have walls up not just masks but real walls so like when you actually show genuine interest like people don't get to talk about themselves anymore like people don't seem to care and it's really sad but i think there is some truth to it you know Uh, talking about food is the language of culture. My career took me to Little Rock, Arkansas. And on my first day of work, one of my coworkers said, let me take you to lunch. And I said, okay. I had never taken a lunch in my entire reporting career because I was always too busy and too nervous about deadline and getting things done. So she took me to this place called Your Mama's. And you walk in and there was like steam on the windows And it was a cafeteria style. So you waited in line with a red tray. And when you got to the glass case, there was chicken fried chicken, chicken fried steak, fried pork chops, creamed corn, mashed potatoes, collard greens, cream gravy, brown gravy, yeast rolls, cornbread. And we sat and had this meal bigger than any Thanksgiving meal I'd ever had in my life. And I realized that, wow, wow had I stepped into a different culture and I needed to learn quick that a people there like to sit and talk and visit and growing up in Massachusetts, it was a different culture. You know, when people said, hello, you, you you were polite, but you didn't stop and ramble on about your weekend. That would have been not appropriate. Where in Arkansas. If you don't explain and talk and what they call visit, you're kind of rude. So it was a complete shift for me, and I really credit that meal with helping me to understand Arkansas on my first day of work as a reporter there, because if I was going to talk to sources or get any sort of information, I wasn't going to do it in the Massachusetts way. It wasn't going to work. I had to really morph and adapt to a much more relaxed and friendly and conversational way of being. So tell me about the show. How long has it been on? Where do I find it? It is in its third season. The third season started uh, just a week ago on public television stations around the country. So you have to check your local listings. You can also go to pbs.org and find the show. And season one and season two are on Amazon Prime. And uh, you, for more information, you go to, to dine tvcom
2: Thanks for listening. And thank you to our team, producer Rachel Gottbaum and sound engineer and composer Michael Moss of Soundscape Boston. You can find more of our stories at heritageradionetwork.org or by visiting our website, letstalkaboutfood.com or find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's Talk About Food is powered by Simplecast. This podcast is supported by the Hunger to Health Collaboratory a cross-sector leadership initiative dedicated to reducing the health consequences of hunger. With generous support from Stop and Chop, Hunger to Health Collaboratory convenes partners across sectors to advocate for health equity and food security. For more information, visit hungertohealthcollaboratory.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community?